Hello, I'm Dr. Kurnan Mannion, and you're listening to the Physician Interrupted podcast, produced as part of the Physician Interrupted blog on Substack. You can subscribe below and also access all the articles and podcasts on Physician Interrupted. In this episode, part six of our series, we conclude our exploration of the diverse syndromes contributing to the matrix of clinician distress with an examination of the seldom explored undercurrent of discrimination, harassment, and the bullying culture of healthcare institutions and of medicine as a whole. The essence of discrimination is you're defective, you're different, you're inferior, you don't belong here. It doesn't take advanced training in mental health to comprehend the powerfully detrimental impact on the individual who is subjected to such a mindset. The discriminatory focus can be one of several. Often, multiple discriminatory components are present at the same time, as detailed below. Racial discrimination, the long history of racism in our WASP culture. White versus non-white, that is, everybody else. This demarcation, with its arbitrary boundaries, has been in existence since the earliest days of our country, when European explorers began colonizing North America and wresting away lands from our indigenous peoples, the Native Americans. The history of the transcontinental slave trade is parallel to that colonization and has been eloquently explained in contemporary writings that have become more prominent in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement, we are only beginning to appreciate the insidious and pervasive effect of hostile discrimination against those determined to be non-white. This hostile racial discrimination has permeated our thinking as a society and affected all of our educational and healthcare institutions. Despite the noble cause of ending slavery and granting freedom to all, independent of their color or national origin, the hideous legacy of that overt racism persisted up until the seminal U.S. Supreme Court case, Brown v. Board of Education in the 50s, and then President Johnson's administration a decade later. And even though that was nearly 70 years ago, the pervasive effects of racism have persisted. It really wasn't until the recent George Floyd police brutality case and the emergent Black Lives Matter movement that people's attention was garnered toward the inequitable punishment that those who are non-white suffer at the hands of various governmental agencies, in Floyd's case, police departments. Nevertheless, racial prejudice persists, not only in medical education, but in postgraduate training and in practice opportunities. Black, African-Americans, those physicians have suffered this hideous discrimination throughout their training Stories abound of the second-class treatment and lack of respect these physicians are subjected to in their clinical rotations and as PGYs. And this pertains to all clinicians within healthcare. It would represent 
truly willful negligence if we continue to ignore the immense effect of that omnipresent stress on one who is subjected to a baseline of racial discrimination. Ethnic discrimination. Like racial discrimination, we also harbor a variety of ethnic and cultural prejudices. Of course, this article is not intended to be a comprehensive overview of racial and ethnic discrimination, but simply to name the reality that those of a non-native national origin and those who may come from a nation or culture whose traditions are foreign to us may experience immense stress from being discriminated against solely on these grounds. And given that we as a nation seem to have committed to an endless war, those nations and cultures and ethnicities that we've been at war with are considered our enemies. And therefore, the carryover prejudicial effect toward all who come from such nations and cultures is that they are treated with automatic suspicion and disdain. This discriminatory mindset is seldom based on clinical competency, but stems from prejudices toward their religious and cultural beliefs and practices. Amongst the prominent biases manifested are those we're all familiar with against people coming from certain cultures, Middle Eastern, Asian, Indian, Latino, African, and Native American. Gender discrimination. The Boys Club of U.S. Medicine. You can imagine a treehouse that has a sign hanging out of it. It's our treehouse. No girls allowed. With girls spelled G-U-R-L-Z. It's been well documented, well established, that American medicine has from time immemorial been a boys club. Of course, that gender prejudice has not been limited to medicine, but pervades all of science and, for that matter, all of civilized life in the United States. Now, while we're not here trying to examine the entire complex social history that has led to this prevailing prejudice, suffice it to say that it has been a dominant strain in our medical cultural thinking. And the good news is that, finally, a variety of forces have coalesced to change that dynamic. There's an anti-female strain that goes along with this boys club mentality. So operating as an exclusive boys club is one thing, but being hostile to women in diverse ways is another. So let's use the race metaphor for a moment. It's one thing not to be able to join an all-white country club because you happen to be not white. It's another thing entirely to be stalked and abused because you are non-white. So too with gender. There are a range of misogynistic attitudes and behaviors, ranging from the more benign mentality, with no basis, that women are inferior and they don't belong in medicine, to more active misogyny, in which women are treated inferiorly, passed over for promotion, compensated unfairly, or actively diminished in some other concrete way. 
manifestations of both of these dynamics, attitudinal misogyny, if we can term it that, and active misogynistic behavior vary significantly across the country. And there are, as you might imagine, certain areas where both are powerfully present. And I state this simply to underscore that those who are in such locales and who are being discriminated against have this major stress syndrome acting upon them as a backdrop to anything else they may experience in medicine. Another category of discrimination is sexual orientation discrimination, anti-non-heterosexual. Now, heterosexual orientation and marriage have been the prevailing norm, both in medicine and in U.S. culture generally. More recently, progress has been made in understanding and accepting the diversity of sexual preference orientation Medicine as a profession has been very slow to incorporate these changed attitudes, and so anti-gay bias persists quite prominently. Sexual harassment, while not per se a form of discrimination, like elsewhere in society, and especially in closed societies such as the military, police, and medicine, Sexual harassment and sexual assault are a prominent problem, its primary manifestation being the male-to-female variety. And in the environment of a bully culture, also predominantly male, the pressure to remain silent, to normalize the behavior, and even to fail to report overt sexual assault for fear of not being taken seriously or for fear of adverse career consequences, is still pervasive. Now, while we've witnessed the powerful effect of the Me Too movement, even it is still suffering from pushback. And while the general civilian and governmental workforce may, and that is may, afford protections for those who may be harassed, I suspect the same protections don't really carry over to closed groups, for example, medicine, and thus there are less disincentives to prevent that harassment behavior, and thus sexual harassment flourishes still. As mentioned previously, again, these articles are not meant to be a thorough analysis of the issue in this clinician distress matrix. They're not intended to give a definitive treatment to each of these distress contributors, but I think it's important to call attention to them. And so suffice it to say, if you happen to be in the unfortunate, if not dangerous, position of being one who is subject to such harassment, this degree of omnipresent baseline stress can create an awesome burden that is almost invariably borne silently. Now, combine this with any other stress syndrome, and clearly the adverse effect is beyond simply additive. So if you were to combine racial discrimination and then gender discrimination in this way, and then also sexual harassment, 
you can imagine that a person is carrying a significant stress load, and these are really separate stress syndromes that are contributing to that person's stress load. They enter into the picture before we even consider burnout or anything like that. They enter into that picture with all of that as a baseline stress. Now, here's another one that is uh, not spoken about that is uh, that often, and that is our concept of elitism, discrimination based on where you train, hoity-toity, or your socioeconomic status, again, hoity-toity. I guess we can call this, in a way, uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant privilege, although I happen to be Catholic by origin. So while there's a diversity in the quality of education received across the United States, and of course, there's got to be. Okay? There are going to be these high-end Ivy League schools. They're going to be all the way down to your standard state uh, universities. There tends to be a significant prejudice toward those who have attended non-U.S.-based medical education facilities. And so, despite passing all requisite qualifying examinations, generalizations are often made about the competency of undergraduate training of certain groups of people based upon where they trained and not on the basis of their actual academic or skills achievement. And likewise, those entering professions from a less privileged background may be subjected to implicit biases that add to their stress load. Now, again, I stress here that these various forms of stress are already weighing them down before they enter into this arena of quote-unquote burnout. Another form, religious discrimination. Suspicion abounds about those who have non-Christian belief systems. Mirroring our society, medicine truly has been a predominantly WASPy entity. The acronym stands for White, Anglo-Saxon, and Protestant. Now, Protestantism is a Christian sect, which, by the way, had its own antipathy toward those who are not of the Protestant sect, including Christians uh, in the form of Catholicism. Now, as you can see on closer examination, WASP, W-A-S-P, White Anglo-Saxon Protestant, that's quite a, quite a package. It contains racial, ethnic, and religious components. Those of a non-Christian religious orientation, have been greeted with suspicion, if not over disdain. And this prejudice often handed down within one's family or community of origin is often rooted in ignorance, complete ignorance, about the core beliefs of other religions and their belief systems and practices, and it persists. And there's a significant strain of anti-Jewish as well as anti-Islamic sentiment, and it seeped into the culture, even where members of the majority culture in our society don't actually practice Christianity, or for that matter, any sort of organized religion. Now, you got to find that truly ironic, because there is such little suspicion directed toward those who are non-practicing at all and also toward agnostics and atheists. 
But those who practice certain belief systems somehow are discriminated against on the presumption that they are going to be destructive to the prevailing culture. One more form of political, uh, one more form of discrimination that I want to mention here, and that is political discrimination. That's become really quite apparent in the last five or six years or so. Our society has become infected with political polarization, which is often accompanied by the breakdown in respectful, kind, rational dialogue. And so, too, to some extent, these same influences permeate U.S. medicine. And so just as in the larger United States society, we don't seem to know how to bridge this gap. And here, as in so many other of these challenges, the healthcare institutions and medical societies themselves must play a significant role in aggressively confronting these prejudices and helping us change our ways. For now, we're going to hold there on this part of the podcast and continue in a separate segment on the discriminatory harassment and bullying culture aspects of the clinician distress matrix. So for now, we'll close and we'll pick it up in part B. See you then. 